The qualities of wisdom that are learnt through this practice uh, are those which integrate. uh, Because when you're dealing with the integrate, you know, say, inner world with the world around you, your relationships with people and with events and with what you do in your life. So, in fact, the practice itself develops the path just as the path develops the practice and uh, in this meditation time we have a chance to really clear the obstacles in the mind and start referring to qualities such as one's view one's intention one's speech one's actions one's energies livelihood and so forth. And there's no doubt about it that the Buddha uh, recognized the energies required tireless energy is required, tireless persistence is required. Mm-hmm. Particularly in this uh, situation where the <coughs> effects of the world are washing over us every day, both our own conditioning, conditioning the minds of other people, and the structures of society are always uh, flooding over with worldly dhammas. <coughs> Hurry up, progress, uh, take it easy, get convenient, uh, get more of what you want. Um, and so forth. Short-term benefits, long-term uh, pointlessness, collapse, collapse and you can see in Buddhist history how the Sangha is continually slid, slides down the wrong path <laughs> for a while as it gets more famous and uh, uh, well well stocked. Energy gets less, vigor gets less, sense of uh, care and attention gets less, start coasting, riding on the benefits, losing attention, losing energy, hindrances build up and Sangha declines and then somebody kind of breaks through and goes back to the forest again. <laughs> so always, that's where it always comes from, they go back to the forest. The great uh, 
teach us, they always return to the forest and get things straight again, and then come out, and then, okay, now we've got this, that, the other, structures, build structures, practice structures, um, conventions, protocols, and then uh, established places, and then second generation follow that, third generation follow that, fourth generation start to get established, things decline. And so it goes, so that kind of, really, kind of, how does that happen? Worldly effects of renown and and support. Buddha is saying that Sangha doesn't decline uh, through any other causes apart from renown, uh, support, uh, fame, and comfort. That's what causes it to decline. Because energy declines, vigor declines, it's easy, take it easy. That comes in, we have that habit. You're really willing to cut back, go back to forest life. So this is our uh, encouragement. And Bo Char, he said, uh, when he came here, he says, oh, you know, he says, oh, yeah, this is a good enough place to, to, to practice, yeah, with support, forest, good people. He said, the only thing that you have to be careful of, you won't have to go without. That's a problem. Since, <laughs> you know, you get e- easy. And then it's up to us to kind of make the effort to keep that vigilance, not get lost in material things, in building projects, in going off seeing people, keep referring to it. Well, in the forest practice, also you can see that that um, is subject to delusion. Right back in the time of the Buddha, look in the Gulitsani Sutta. It says the Gulitsani Sutta, this bhikkhu comes out of the forest and comes into the assembly and he's rude and he doesn't, he's not respectful to the elders and he encroaches on the seating places and his speech is bad. And he, he's, you know, he said, What's the point of him living in the forest? He's rough tongued, sloppy, you know, because he hasn't lived with other people. He's just followed his own ways. What's the point of his forest practice? He has integrated it into a path, which is which should be qualities of the path <coughs> as a kind of sign, a holistic for my welfare, for your welfare. Mm. Yeah. You're part of it. Mm. The forest is part of it. Other creatures are part of it. Other humans are part of it. Future generations are part of it. Do I establish ways of practice and standards of behaviour that I feel, if other people did that, I'd feel happy and that that continued in the future. And how do other people see it? Does it fit? So we, uh, you know, we kind of keep inquiring and recognising these tendencies which we suggest we're prone to.
And we have the Yanga, the big thing at Wat Pong every year, and then it's the cold season. It's pretty cold. And the monks go out and sleep on the ground. <coughs> Give up their kutis, sleep on the ground. And even Lumpur Lee and the abbot, he'll go off, get a bale of some straw, plastic sheet, and go and sleep on the ground. Give up his kuti. Just to, you know, the sense of, I'm not kind of living in some house. I'm a forest dweller. A man of seven, over 70 years old. Right. Not expecting his cup of tea at, <laughs> at this time or that time, and you know. <laughs> the kind of things that will creep in, don't they? When, when they're there, and then, okay, then when it's not there, what happens then? Do we go, hey, where's my tea? <laughs> or do we say, it's not there, it's not offered, it's not given? Yeah, so we cultivate, and we're, we're careful of ourselves, because these, certainly these are the first impulses that come, can come to mind. Yeah, where's my, oh, what do you mean my tea, my? It's not offered, it's not there. That's it. Yeah. And uh, just the sense of that, and particularly summoners, we're living in dependence on the Laity, just as the laity live in dependence on us, do we support them? Do we look out for their welfare? Do we just think, oh, they're, they're there to do the cooking, fine. Do we look out for their welfare? Are we energetic in that way? We're just creating a kind of Buddhist aristocracy where the peasants look after us or what? And vice versa, you know. They they expect us to, you know, bless their houses or actually here to look for spiritual support in terms of clearing hindrances. Not just decorations. Make people feel calm. Do we encourage that? And do we work together? Certainly the aim of the Buddha's Life after his own awakening was to generate not just a path but a field, a fourfold field, the assembly, which would then act as a human checkpoint, feedback. How are we doing? Not just as verbal feedback, but recognizing oneself within that. How am I? How am I within that? Do I acknowledge? Do I sense other people? Am I aware of that? And what is, you know, do I model something? Do I really recognize them as fellow practitioners with hindrances and blessings and parami and struggles and suffering? Do we really look out for that and provide something relevant? These are all things to consider as we come to the closure of our Rains Retreat together. We're living as a community and we can see how maybe things start to creep in that we weren't conscious of, we were negligent about or forgetful of, <coughs> didn't really notice. It's, it's quite normal. And then, okay, let's clear that, ward that off. 
and you build up this awareness, this kind of uh, a forest awareness that's not confined to the forest, which really the forest acts as a, 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 a practice place for establishing the basis, but then the real forest, of course, is the wilderness of the heart. Yeah, and the, the defilements that creep in rather like the way that dust creeps in into a room, not in a great big clod, in a fine mist, gradually softens and slightly darkens things and things, you don't really notice it. For a few days it builds up. That's how the defilements creep in. And slowly like, like dust motes on the, in the air and build up. You keep vigorously sweeping checking around you know, develop that sweeper's practice <laughs> as we do in the monastery you know? I think it's one of the to my mind it's one of the uh, almost the emblem symbols of a, of a forest monastery is people are sweeping See, sweeping bars, sweeping corridors sweeping stairs, they're sweeping they're sweeping, they're sweeping the sound of it is very almost just a beautiful sound the sound of the broom sweeping, sweeping, sweeping looking around corners, tidying things up, poking things around, digging out, not just the obvious areas, but the areas that are less, uh, less apparent. What about around there? What about behind there? Sweeping, sweeping. And this is the attitude you cultivate in terms of your own mind, isn't it? How is it when it sits still? How is it when it walks? How is it when it talks? How is it when it acts? Sweeping, sweeping. Does the defilement come in when I'm still? Or does it come in when I'm busy? Does it come in when I'm talking to people? Or does it come in when I'm silent? Where does it creep in? Because it's there. It's in the air. We're in a dusty world. Not some weird personal failing. It's normal. (laughs) The dust is there. That's normal. So the normal response is you're always sweeping checking out your relationship to your belongings to your body to food to people relationships of support encouraging people who've just come in looking after them giving them you know, encouragement kalyanamita cultivating that you learn this relational skill relational attitude <coughs> In, in meditation. So you're starting to <coughs> you establish the foundation and you're recognizing what happens. Yeah, the hindrances come up. Yeah, and you find a place to stand back from that. And then you begin to form skillful responses. That which you know, sort of softens or doesn't get involved with the sticky stuff that which rebuts and pushes away and holds, stands against things. And this is how you, this is what samadhi really means, or one of its powers, is a sustained sati. Samadhi is just sati, sustained, established. And the Buddha said it's rather like the you know, panel of a door, if it's just thin plywood, you throw something against the door, it easily swings open. It's a strong, thick, hardwood door, you throw a rock against it, it doesn't swing open. That's how your mind should be. It just does not easily swing open. 
This is through mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. It's in the mindfulness of the body sutta. You can look at it there. But that doesn't mean you're dumb. You're shutting out hindrances by having that wide door. You know, kind of sense of something that's firmly established but definitely able to sense things. So what we cultivate, <coughs> that openness which doesn't adopt. You receive impressions, you don't adopt them casually. You don't recoil from them unnecessarily. You check contact, establish the foundation. And uh, cultivating that, that strength of mind, strength of citta, as you start to, you're practicing relationship with your meditation object, your body, your nimittas, your sounds, whatever you're practicing with. Are you going too fast? So you're not picking, are you picking it up? Vitaka, is your mind pointing to that? Or is it just kind of, oh well, <laughs> you know, well, here we are. And so that consciously picks up that vitaka, points to it. Mind is intending. Vitaka is associated with speaking. Vitaka vichara. They're called um, the qualities that give rise, that, that act as the condition for speech or inner speech. Thinking. But you might say it's not the kind of discursive rambling streams of thought, it's just this point where you get something. Has he got it? How is that? Have you got it? How is that? That's like Vitaka Vichara. You got it? How is that? Are you there? Is it you're getting it? Find a point you can establish. How is that? How is that? And in, as you're going to notice, uh, Obviously, in meditation, the object is subject to subtle changes. It's not a, nothing is certain, nothing is fixed, nothing's still. You're as still as you get, you're still experiencing life, which is not, a st- not still at all. You know, if you have body breathing, or a, it's, not a st- it's relatively still, but it's still not still because it's alive. It means it's shifting and changing. And that's excellent because this is the kind of, that's what the right thing else is doing. So, you know, if we learn with that, we realize you've got to have that kind of pointing that's steady and continual, listening to how it is. How is it? How is it? Checking it. And that kind of quality of attention is going to stand you in good stead for uh, your daily life because, of course, people are changing, events are changing. Um, Weather's changing. Uh, we move around from place to place. Sometimes it gets busy, quiet. Things are often changing. Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, it's that. That's it. Switch off. And something else we'd like to do that. Get it established and we don't have to keep paying attention to it. Go through routine. This is the sila. Sila Bhattu Paramasa. you just got a structure you stick on to. And it's automatic. 
And when it's automatic, you build up a stock series of actions. This is how you clean the room, this is how you do this, you do that. And then you do it automatically and you're losing some of the benefits of that. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you sweep the path. It's never the same leaves, is it? They come down in different patterns and you've got to, and areas. And so, you know, people are never the same. Do we take them to establish them in our minds as the same? That same person in your if you think it's the same person, that's something that's an image in your mind. Right? And we that's easy, isn't it? I know her, she's that, I know him, he's that. It's easy. And yeah, it's roughly correct. But for awakening practice you don't want to be roughly correct. You want to give up the image and deal with the reality as as best you can. How is that? How is that? You got it? Within? Within? Well, these fixed images eventually, as we recognize, become sources of defilement. You know, either you get kind of casual with people, or take people for granted, or you develop particular projections onto people. You know, resentments or fascination, some kind or another. That's what happens with it, with something, an image that's fixed. It becomes, anything fixed becomes an object, a base for defilement. That's why it's so seductive, because some, we want things to be fixed. <laughs> it's easier that way. And so it is, but it's also much easier for the defilements to creep around it. So we have something that's relatively fixed, but you always pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. How is it now? Check it out. Keep waking up. And this kind of uh, attention, careful attention, you only saw Munisikara, not just gliding on to appearances of things, but carefully attending. You only saw Munisikara, uh, uh, primary uh, factor probably in the suttas probably mentioned more often than mindfulness even I don't know but it's very very common because this is a sense that actually is accurately attending deeply attending to, to phenomena and also deeply attending to is this phenomenon as one stays with it does it give rise to it feels pretty nice yeah. But if you stay with it, does it give rise to uh, attachment, fascination, craving, and so forth? Because, <laughs> of course, you know, pleasant things feel pleasant. It doesn't necessarily mean they're skillful or unskillful. Some pleasant things are skillful, some are unskillful. So you're just checking. How is that? How is that? What's it doing? What's it doing to me? Mm. Nodding off, daydreaming, yeah, losing, losing clarity, proliferating, mm. and pulling out, carefully attending, establish, and meditation. We're learning also to to uh, shift in what we meditate upon. 
if I just can't make this one, I can't get any traction, I can't get my vitakavichara, my careful attention established on this base, then I'll do something else. I'll walk, I'll stand, I'll use a mantra, I'll use the sound of silence, I'll use breathing, I'll use metta, something I can get some path factors established on. Because meditation is not a fixed thing. Um, meditation objects are not fixed things. You learn to be adaptable. This is the, you know, the right attitude the right, and the right energy. So your mindfulness is really established around what brings um, path factors into presence. So we, we assume, say, mindfulness is mindfulness of body, which it is, of course, but then why is mindfulness like four or five, six steps down the path? Because, of course, before the samasati, there has to be right view and right intention and right energy, right effort, to find a suitable, so that the mind is suitably holding things. Because if we're not holding suitable things in a suitable, skillful way, if we're not bearing suitable phenomena in a suitable way, then sati turns into upadana, clinging, just stuck onto, you know, habitual stuck, rather than careful holding. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're the reverse of each other, and yet there can, can be a certain similarity. Yeah, but except upadana doesn't have right view, right intention, right thought, or right vitaka vichara, or right uh, um, energy in it, right effort in it. It's the easy one. Upadana is the easy slide onto, grab hold of. Maybe the first thing we jump to. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. What are you doing? This is the way that uh, we learn the uh, uh, path. So cultivating like this, one looks inwardly, one looks outwardly. One looks into one's, we say one's in life, one looks into one's outer life, one sweeps around. And uh, though it may sound like it's very active, it's a, it's a steady, purposeful, calm, sober recognition. It's a, it's, a, it's a sober energy. Not just doing things to keep busy, I'm doing things in a purposeful, sober way. My mind is in harmony with what needs to be done. And therefore there's a certain steadiness. We're not just idealistic. You know, I want to do all the nisajik, I want to do the 13 dutangas, I want to do the real forest monk, I want to do the sitter's practice, the no eating, the no sleeping, the no everything. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> Have you learned to relate to your mind yet? <coughs> you know, before you start getting idealistic. Yeah. You can go that way. Yeah. Relate to just, here you are what's needed 
supportive, where the path factors get supported. And how can you extend that? How can you make it further in? You're learning. It's not just the idealism uh, uh, and aiming for just really the aim is very close of what you're doing, where you are, who you're living with, situations such as this. In this way we cultivate a path that in some ways is not evident. It's quiet. It's not not evident. Because it's not a fixed thing. It's fixed in terms of its samma and its wholesomeness. And that's something we only can know for ourselves. So do you know? Do you get a sense of where the bright, the knowing, the calm that's not dull, the brightness that's not hypnotizing, the energy that's not frantic, you get a sense of where that is, where that can be. Mm. Bringing your awareness into that, develop it, spread it, make much of it. And this will be for our welfare, and for the welfare of others, and for the welfare of future generations. Anyone? Okay, well.